We are officially less than a week from the NFL season kicking off. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode brought to you by Built Bar. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order of delicious Built Bars, the best tasting protein bar of all time. It's Bo, it's Alex, Bo Brock, Alex Clancy. Give us a follow on Twitter at Bob Brack, at Clancy's Corner, and give the show a follow at Locked On AZ Cards. It's a big one because we're going to be looking at uh, the Arizona Cardinals. They have to have their 53 man roster set by tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. Arizona time. Also, there's a team I want to talk about, Alex, that's building its team the right way building its roster the right way I'll tell you which one that is and another reason why the Cardinals were right by shifting to Kyler Murray the endless list continues and also you had an interesting idea to talk about the Arizona Cardinals and the barometer that their season opener against the San Francisco 49ers how how big it actually is going to be come September 13th it's kind of shifted hasn't it Bo yeah it's it's changing by the day yeah it's uh it, it, it's the injuries. It's the to San Francisco. I just wonder. I just don't know. I mean, it's we're we're in such a weird, silly season now where I'm just ready. Like the storylines have completely dropped off, except for the final cuts. It's like we're so close, but we seem so. This is gonna be the longest week ever, from Sunday to Sunday. Like I'm just ready. After, I'm ready. After we I'm, just I'm weathered like the the longest ready. six months of our lives. Yeah, we've got like just a few short days away, but you're right. That's going to be, they're going to stretch it out. But it is interesting. Like I jumped on Twitter this morning, Alex, and I just, I usually just search the Arizona Cardinals to see what the latest trending news is. And I saw some fool from a 49ers blog site that tweeted out a gif of a Niners wide receiver catching a pass in the end zone over Cardinals. Uh, defensive secondary member and says it's like less than so many days until we expose the Arizona Cardinals as frauds. It's like okay, well, who's the fraud? Who's going to be the fraud exposed come September thirteenth? Let's get into that conversation uh, in this podcast of Locked On Cardinals. But you mentioned it: the fifty-three man roster it needs to be set by one p.m. on Saturday afternoon Arizona time, and the Arizona Cardinals they've got some decisions to make. That's your Locked On Cardinals lead story. I'm your host, Bo Brock, along with Alex Clancy. Alex, second-year head coach Cliff Kingsbury said yesterday that the roster was pretty close to being set, but there are some position battles that we should be looking at between now and when the roster has to be set tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, Bo, the obvious one that we've talked about over and over and over again is Hassan Reddick. You know, it's gone back and forth. He's completely, seemingly fallen out of favor. We've heard very little, Bo, from uh, just training camp as a whole. There's been all these restrictions. All the all the hosts on Locked On on the Locked On Podcast Network football. We have this long thread of people just taking shots, not shots, just showing that they have almost zero information that they can go off besides the first twenty minutes of practice. And we've heard a little good, little bad. We've heard zero, not a peep about Hassan Reddick. And that makes me question if he's going to make the squad. Now, Josh Weinfuss, who's a trusted source for information, he writes for the for ESPN. He writes for the Arizona... He covers the Arizona Cardinals for ESPN. His guy, his projection on his 53-man roster cuts is... Or not 53 his final roster cuts was Hassan Reddick, that he was going to be the guy that would be cut. Um, Bo, listen, we talked about this before the podcast started. We both think Akeem Butler should make 
the final roster, correct? We're, bo- we're both in that camp. The ceiling is definitely high enough to warn him a roster spot. Yeah, it's because when we're looking at the other guys who are in the conversation, especially at outside linebacker, obviously you've got Chandler Jones, Devon Kennard. Those are your starters. Those are your main edge rushers. And then you look at the other two guys that are making the roster ahead of Hassan Reddick, and they don't have anything invested in them like Reddick. This is a first-round pick, and I understand that, yeah, there's the Bill Belichick mentality. He's like, okay, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I'm going to cut bait, and we're just going to move forward. But Hassan Reddick, you have him under contract at least one more year, and you're going to have a guy named Kylie Fitz. Kylie Fitz, who I was reading about uh, recently, and there is excitement surrounding him. And then there's Dennis Gardeck, who's mostly been a special teams ace for this team to get an right. opportunity to rush the passer. But Hassan Reddick, I mean, to just pass him off and just cut bait on him, I still don't understand that move, how guys like Fitz or Gardeck uh, are better options than Hassan Reddick. Maybe it's just because their willingness to get their hands dirty on teams. But still, I mean at least get him maybe in the first couple games see if he can get to the quarterback like he was he was doing and made himself successful at Temple and then see if you could find a bidder for him before the trade deadline in the NFL season I don't know I just I I still don't understand why you would cut bait a guy like Reddick despite things kind of being mum around him as you mentioned in training camp I've gone back to this. I've gone back to this well more than I care to admit, but it's, listen, it's the most important um, stat for for Hassan Reddick still having a job with the Cardinals. He's had a different defensive coordinator in different position and different scheme, combination of all of them pretty much every year since his last year in college. So the dude hasn't really had any favors given, thrown his way. And then 2018, in the most pivotal year for him as, as, a, as an NFL player, that team's a crap box. Yeah. The 2018 will go down as one of the worst teams to ever play. Like, the ever, ever, ever. It was ranked the worst team in the decade by ESPN.com, and that includes a winless Browns team. It was, it was, yeah. ranked, it, it was the worst team in the decade. So that was Al Holcomb and, and, uh, and, uh, um, Steve Wilkes. What the, yeah, Steve Wilkes. Yikes. And those are defensive guys. Yeah. And Al Holcomb was the linebacker coach in Carolina before coming over. So they're like, well, if, if they're not going to be able to do it, then nobody is. It's like, that's such a farce when it comes to his career. He's gotten no favors. Right. So when you look at the talent level now and you see him being able to maybe just fill a depth void at linebacker, maybe he finds a niche. And maybe, Bo, as you said this multiple times incorrectly, if he can find a way to jump onto special teams, maybe become a, a somewhat at least medium impact special teams player, he can maybe get another two-year deal that's low impact for the Cardinals, but this is his last, last chance, Yeah, right? I mean, if he were to make the team. Absolutely. And just a couple other uh, players that are on the fringe, and when I look at you know the predictions, whether it's Josh Weinfuss or whether it's Darren Urban of azcardinals.com, there is an emphasis on some of these guys that get the edge because of special teams. And I kind of say, hey, hold on a second. When you see a guy like DJ Foster potentially being carried as a fourth running back, because of his ability to play special teams, I say, well, I, I don't know if it's that important. I don't think if DJ Foster's special teams ability really is worthy of carrying a fourth running back when we know that Kenyon Drake's going to get the bulk of the carries, Chase Edmonds is going to get whatever's left over, and then Eno Benjamin, a seventh-round pick at Arizona State, I think he's a better option, younger option than DJ Foster. What are we doing here keeping a guy like Foster instead of a former first-round like Reddick? Uh, Trent Sherfield getting the edge 
uh, courting the Winefuss and, and potentially from Urban over a guy like Hakeem Butler, who didn't even see the field because of an injury in the regular season during his rookie year. We know what Trent Sherfield is. We appreciate what he does on special teams, but the ceiling is a lot higher on a guy like Hakeem Butler. Why not go with that instead? I think that that would be a mistake to cut a guy like Butler this early on. It's going to be interesting to see how the cards play out by tomorrow at 1 p.m. on Saturday. The Arizona Cardinals will get to that 53-man mandate from the NFL. We will see what happens after that because a lot can change because we're already starting to see some veterans uh, be released and waived from their respective franchises. We'll we'll give you a couple names. I don't think they're fits for the Arizona Cardinals, but we'll get into it. It's Bo, it's Alex, it's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we'll get into that segment about uh, the barometer that the opening game against the 49ers and how it continues to be getting bigger and more important. It's all coming up. Lockdown Cardinals, part of your Lockdown Podcast Network. Alex, I've been actually staying in shape during quarantine. And my secret weapon has been the best tasting protein bar ever. That's Built Bar. And it's even more deliciouser than we remember. It's new and improved. We've got 18 now amazing flavors. Your original 12, your OGs. Now with six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Are you kidding me with those? That's insane. All ready to go with salted caramel, mint brownie, orange. I know that's your personal favorite, Alex. Built Bar, not only great tasting, but also healthy. It's great for the health-conscious person out there. Lose and maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars, low in calorie, low in sugar, but high in protein. Where you want it, where you want it with the high fiber as well. It's great for those on the keto diet. Check this out. If you're eating a peanut butter Built Bar, it's got 19 grams of muscle-packing protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and just 5 grams of net carbs. Check this out. If you go to the website, BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, one word, and you get $10 off your next order. That's the promo code LOCKEDON for 10 bucks off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs just continue to be must-watch. Make sure you're tuned in to our Locked On NBA podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I mean, Alex, it, it, it was a must-win. The Raptors had their back against the walls. They were staring down an 0-3 uh, deficit to the Boston Celtics, who have been a buzzsaw right now. I mean, you, if you follow Alex on Twitter, at Clancy's Corner, he is just banging the table for Jason Tatum. There's a little bit of a, a budding bromance going on there, and, and rightfully so. But, uh, man, I cannot believe that they hit that shot with 0.5 seconds left to, uh, yeah, I guess, narrow the series a little bit to 2-1 to one with the Boston Celtics. It's uh, It's been fun to watch each and every day and night with the NBA playoffs. I've had to buy stock in throat lozenges. Ricola! <laughs> I mean, like, dude, seriously, what we've seen in the bubble, I mean, listen, any basketball would be good. But, I mean, obviously, we both love basketball. We both love sports, especially when we're waiting for football season. But what we've seen with... Luca's game-winning shot, OG and Anobi out of nowhere, like Houston and, and OKC urinating all over themselves in an effort to try and not lose the game more than the other team lost. I mean, it's been fun. It's been fun. But regardless, we're going to have football in front of empty stadiums come next Thursday night. Cardinals kick things off on Sunday, September 13th from Santa Clara against the NFC champion San Francisco 49ers. And Alex, this has been something you and I the last couple weeks have been um, pretty much yelling about because we see, especially on social media, a lot of 49ers fans 
forgetting what 2018 looked like and just talking about how great they are now after the 2019 season that they just had. Bo, there's two different things that the Cardinals can experience going to San Francisco in week one. One, they go against the full bore Super Bowl contending team from last year. You know, they've added a couple pieces. They traded the Forrest Buckner. They drafted Javon Kinlaw, who's apparently blowing the roof off of, of uh, training camp. And so you have that. You have George Kittle. You have Raheem Mostert. The two targets gonna the two targets that will be for the defense because the Cardinals were among the worst last year in defending the tight end and the run, especially with the interior defensive line. Or you're going to have a situation that gets a little messier. It's not going to be the litmus test that we want, where it's we're going to go up against the best and see what happens. The Cardinals are going to go up against the best and hope to compete and see where they are litmus test-wise across the landscape of the rest of the NFL. Or you're going to look at the news and see everybody's hurt. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. I don't I can't even name any more receivers they have because they all suck. They got rid of Marquise Goodwin and Emmanuel Sanders. Um, Fred Warner's hurt on the defensive side of the ball, which is a big a big hit to them and you go into camp, you go into week one. And even if most of those guys are coming back from injury and ready to play week one, they missed a lot of camp. So you look at that and be like, should the Cardinals win this game? Like, is, is that an unfair expectation? Which it is regardless of who the 49ers put on the field, the Cardinals aren't ready to win these big games yet. And it's an interdivisional rival. And it's a big game regardless, regardless of who's wearing the San Francisco 49ers colors. It's just something I'd much rather play against the toughest of the tough and see where the Cardinals are instead of maybe getting a win there by a field goal and then coming home and potentially losing to Washington and or Detroit at home. It's just it's a it's a muddier situation than you want it to be through one week when you expect to play the best of the best. No, I'll take it absolutely how it's potentially going to be, Alex, and I'll tell you why. Because the Arizona Cardinals are facing off against the 49ers team and a fan base that has just completely turned a blind eye to how ugly the reality of the NFL is. You have to deal with injuries, and that's what they're dealing with. Their best receiver, second-year kid out of uh, South Carolina, Debo Samuel, as you mentioned, out with the foot injury. Brandon Ayuk, as you mentioned, questionable. You've got their starting center, Weston Richburg, out for the game. They're implementing a new left tackle in Trent Williams, who hasn't played for an entire season, starting for a new team. If you're the Arizona Cardinals and you're going up against an offense, especially with Jimmy G, who... The last time he was on a football field, he missed horribly on what would have been a game-sealing deep pass to Emmanuel Sanders. He's still got that lingering in his mind. When you look at this and you're going up against an offense that's going to feature Trent Taylor and Dante Pettis as their starting wide receivers, yeah, they've got George Kittle, but there's not going to be a lot of a whole lot of firepower coming from the 49ers on offense uh, in week one, and I'll take that. If you could steal one, especially the Arizona Cardinals coming off a 2019 season where they only had one division win, you take that. Because, I mean, we start talking about it late in the season. Those wins, they sometimes mean double in late in the season. So, hey, look, if they, they're not going to have Fred Warner, as you mentioned. They're, they're implementing Javon Kinlaw. He's got to take over for this mammoth of a man in DeForest Buckner who's now playing for the Indianapolis Colts. You take it. You absolutely take it. D. Ford, also questionable. Um, it's, it's just the Arizona Cardinals, if they can continue to stay in good health and, and go up near full strength against a team that's down like the 49ers, you take it. If people want to kind of bitch and moan, uh, that the Niners weren't at full strength. Well, that's that's the reality of the NFL. That that's how it is. That's why sustained success is so tough in this league. And 
I mean, as a like personally, Bo, I agree with you. <laughs> personally, like like what I mean by that is personally, obviously you'd love to see the Cardinals win, and if uh if this is how it has to happen, it has to happen. I don't care. Like I, I get it. I completely understand. It's just like there are so many misnomers in the NFL, whether it be little streaks in the middle of the year, like the Cardinals winning three in a row last year. Like right. right? They won three in a row last year. It's like, where the hell did that come from? Wow, it's, I mean, and then it was a total, and then they came back to totally, totally came back to earth against Tampa Bay, and then the Rams last game of the season. Like, I understand. I just think for the grand scheme of everything, all things being equal, playing against the 49ers at full strength would mean more than getting a win. Like in the long term. In the short term, obviously, you want to win as many games as you can in an effort to get into the playoffs and maybe even win the division. Who knows? I mean, it's all so circumstantial. But um, I don't know, man. Just I, I, I guess I would agree with you because you're more your thought process is definitely more rational in the matter. I just think in the grand scheme of things, knowing is better than guessing, and knowing would for sure be yielded by playing the 49ers at full strength. That's all. Right. And we're still seeing a seven spread, a seven point spread on this game yeah. in favor of the uh, 49ers. So I don't know. If you're if you're a betting person and you're listening to what I, I'm saying. I think the Arizona Cardinals, if if they don't just outright win this game, they're going to play. I mean, they played the Niners t- tight both games last season. I mean, I, seven points after such a crazy offseason, you know, that that's looking pretty good to me at, at plus seven. It's Lockdown Cardinals, part of your Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to mention a team that building this roster the exact right way, and maybe the Cardinals can take a page out of this book, and another reason why the Cardinals did the right thing by shifting to Kyler Murray as their franchise quarterback. We'll tell you about it. It's Locked on Cardinals. It's Bo. It's Alex. Wrapping things up here on Locked on Cardinals. A great week of shows. Next week, it gets it gets serious, Alex. We're going to start throwing out our predictions. We're going to throw out a couple scenarios. We're going to look at some over-unders. It's just going to be a great week of shows as we lead up to the Regular season kickoff against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, we've got some great content headed your way. Make sure you're listening each and every day. You're following along on Twitter at Clancy's Corner, at Bob Rack, at Lockdown AZ Cards. Also, remember that this show is brought to you by Built Bar. Right now, you can go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get yourself 10 bucks off your next order. So, Alex, Kyler Murray continues. I mean, obviously, there's so much hype surrounding him going into his second season because of the success from guys like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, winning MVPs in their second season, and then guys like Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, even Mitchell Trubisky having success in his second year. But there's an endless list of why the Cardinals made the right decision shifting to Kyler as their franchise quarterback, and it's even backed up more this morning as we see that uh, Brian Flores confirmed that the Dolphins are – Fielding calls for quarterback Josh Rosen. You know, I mean, you can't help but feel bad for him now, right? I I just don't know. I just don't think he's very good. I think that's just the case. And that's, yeah, that's unfortunate. Sure, you feel bad for him. I mean, he's 10th overall pick. He did say some things. You know, he's going to make those teams pay. And now he's staring down his third team in as many seasons. Yeah. So here's the thing. This This is how I look at Josh Rosen as just as an athlete, okay? He did get a raw deal here in Arizona. Yes. Um, he got a raw deal, but unfortunately, it was the right move for the organization. What wasn't the right move for the organization was drafting Josh Rosen. 
And that's why he really got a raw deal. And I'm under the impression, and this is going a, a couple steps back, but it, it to my point, it, it needs it needs this this texture to make sense. A couple of years before that, I think it was 20, 2016, they drafted Robert Kimdiche. Is that right? Yes. It was after the NFC Championship game run, I believe. Right. They had, oh yeah, that's right, because they had a late, late first round pick. Robert Kimdiche, did he go to Ole Miss? I can't, it doesn't matter. Yes. Coming out, he was looked at as maybe a top 15 guy. Top 15 interior lineman. He's kind of a knucklehead, but top 15 interior lineman. He lied about getting injured or something like that. Doesn't really matter. But the Cardinals were forced to take him, Steve Keim, because he had all the hype surrounding him in going into the draft. And lest we forget, Chris Jones was taken a couple picks later, just, just for the record. So <laughs> Steve Keim just kind of was forced to take him because that's what Mel Kuyper's board said to do. And then you look at 2018 in the draft. A lot of the mock drafts early had Josh Rosen going number one overall. You know, not a lot, some. The, you, they had four quarterbacks going in the top six picks. So the fact that the Cardinals were within reach at 10 to move up and draft one of the quarterbacks, it made Steve kind of think, you know what, I'll save my job if I draft this kid. Because it at least show that I care about the team and winning now and getting a young quarterback. I'm under the impression Steve Kime wanted nothing to do with Josh Rosen. They just He just had to draft him to keep his job. Is that insane? He also had to sign Sam Bradford that very same offseason to try to save his job because he had just turned a blind eye and the team had just, for whatever reason, didn't pay attention to the most important position in all of sports, the quarterback position, and the future of that position. They had neglected it in the draft the previous years, but that was also because they had the, the win-now mentality. And no, I mean, it It was pretty much he strong-armed himself into the only move, and that was moving up from 15 to 10, drafting Josh Rosen, who they thought was the, the next best quarterback on the board, even though, you know, Lamar Jackson's still there for the picking. But, uh, man, it was just a, a massive misstep. You do have to give – here's the credit that's, that's, that's due. That not even a calendar year later, they were able to identify that he was not the guy. Despite you and I thinking that it was the right move to move forward with him, and then they they decide to trade him to the Dolphins and take Kyler Murray number one overall. So what now? I mean, we're on the same side there. So if I were, and I talked about this on a show filling in yesterday, and I saw it over Twitter after, like if the Bears didn't already trade away everything for Nick Foles, he'd be perfect in Chicago. Like that's that's the where it's there's. They're already a disgruntled fan base, and they're not going to win this year, so why not give him a shot? Like, yeah. where can he go now? Is he not going to get a job? Yeah, you would think you would think that a place like Miami, well, I guess they, they just drafted Tua, so, I mean, he's obviously not going to get, you know, even the backup reps. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's does he go to a place like Minnesota and back up a guy like Kirk Cousins, or if, if he dies of COVID because he refuses to wear a mask? I don't know. I mean, it's Josh Rosen, his... His perfect opportunity, that's come and gone. And he would have had to have been perfect in that perfect opportunity to even get a shot. And, you know, that's unfortunate, but it's also the reality of the NFL. You got to think that when Miami traded for him. So this actually, it looked like a genius plan trading for him, giving up a second round pick. You take a stab, you bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick's obviously going to start for the first couple games. He's going to do what he did at Tampa Bay, and then he's going to do Ryan Fitzpatrick things. 
what they didn't expect Miami when they traded for Josh Rosen was how hard that team was going to play under Brian Flores. Ain't no tank in there in Miami. Like, I remember, I think it was week 16, it was Cincinnati versus Miami. I think the game went into overtime. And both of these teams were trying so hard to win when it was the worst possible thing for their future. And the fact that Miami won as many games as they did, if you if they knew that they were going to win, that two was going to be available at five, like if they knew that, they never would have traded for Josh Rosen, in my opinion. Yeah, I... Yeah, I think it's fair to say, but it's also when you look at that and you and I think you make a good point how hard that team played and that they were able to kind of realize that Rosen doesn't necessarily fit that. Like he's a guy that can go out there, he can he obviously when we were talking about him in his first training camp, it was oh how how smart he is, how quick he's grasping this offense, but there was a disconnect. When, when he hit the field, when as far as him and his teammates, and it's not an indictment on, on Josh Rosen, the person, it just isn't, it just doesn't work. It, it doesn't, it, he's just, he, he's a guy that grew up playing tennis, which is a, uh, a one person sport. As far as connecting with his teammates, I think that there is a, dis- a disconnect there. And for whatever reason, he's, he's just struggling to stay in a locker room and be embraced as a quarterback because you absolutely have to embrace that, that, that quarterback in order for it to work. It's just he's he's just not in a good spot. I mean, he didn't have a whole lot of success at UCLA before. We've seen he's got the ability, he's got the size, the arm strength, and the smarts. But there's also other things that go into it, and Josh Rosen just doesn't possess that, or they haven't been developed, and he's not he hasn't had the opportunity to develop them. And I don't know if he's ever going to get the opportunity to do so. Maybe he could go to Dallas. Maybe he could he could be the third quarterback on that team behind Andy Dalton and of course Dak Prescott. I mean. Yeah. He can go somewhere. He can go somewhere. What about this? And I'm sorry to cut you off. What if he did the Kirk Herbstreit and he just goes and he's a smart dude. Yeah. He's articulate. He knows the game. Like, what if he at some point, like he'll he'll bounce around his backup and then maybe he's meant for the booth if they ever rehire the 88 people that the Pac-12 laid off. I mean, what if he's a guy that maybe goes back to UCLA, maybe does something like that and, and is still ingrained in the game, but maybe from a media perspective and not a player? Yeah, I mean he's. I mean he follow immediate. He would be following the footsteps of another tenth overall quarterback selection by the Arizona Cardinals and Matt Liner. Uh, Matt Liner, I mean the IQ between Matt Liner and Josh Rosen are. Uh, they both have uh, hot tub stories, you know. They, I mean, they played in the same city. Is basically or the same area. Obviously, rivals UCLA, UC, USC. Matt Liner had a bunch of. A lot more success in college than than Josh Rosen, but I don't know. I just today I'm singing the praises more and more of for Kyler Murray and the, oh, sure. the fact that we're not talking about Josh Rosen going into his third NFL season, and we're talking about Kyler Murray, which is it's incredible. It's been a fun run this week. Make sure you're listening come Monday because we start to really ramp things up. No, no more talking about Josh Rosen. We're talking about Kyler Murray. We're talking about this Cardinals team and how they're going to attack this San Francisco 49ers squad in week one of the NFL season. We'll get into it come Monday. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Make sure you tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On NFL. 